This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ontario is removing the cap on the number of cannabis shops in the province and nixing some qualification requirements for would-be retailers in a bid to clamp down on the number of illegal stores. I'm now joined by cannabis activist Chris James of Cannabis and Coffee. And uh, so the government announced that it was opening up the number of cannabis stores. Uh, you've been trying to get a spot for, since it was announced, legalization was announced, you even have a lawsuit underway. Is this going to help you? Well, uh, you know, it seems like a good first step in the right direction, but I'd really like to know how they plan on issuing these five licenses a week that they're talking about. I'd like to know if it's on a first-come, first-served basis or the five fattest wallets every week. Or, you know, that's really, I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to you know, determine who gets a license, because I think it should go to the five most qualified applicants instead of just people that want to get into the business with no experience. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the uh, the rollout of this really has been quite a dog's breakfast. Yes. Uh, and they've spent a lot of energy shutting down illegal stores, and they've said that they rolled it out this way because of a shortage of supply, but I, there's not a shortage of supply there's anymore. There's an oversupply now. There's an oversupply now, but but uh, there's still a lot in, in the illicit market because there aren't enough stores. Yeah, part of it is there's not enough stores. Part of it is the quality seems to be better in the legacy market, and the price point is much more what the customers are used to. Okay, so a lot of reasons why it's not working uh, in uh, getting rid of the black market. Now, I'd, I'd like to bring in Professor Michael Armstrong, who is an associate professor at the Goodman School of Business at Brock University, who's an expert in this. Hi, Professor Armstrong. Good afternoon. Uh, so this move by the government that they are removing the cap and they're starting to give out licenses uh, five a week or whatever, is this going to solve the problem? It's uh, it's a step forward. Uh, it's certainly the direction we need to go. Uh, as was just said, uh, we uh, desperately need more stores in this province. Uh, most other provinces now have pretty good, uh, at least basic store networks. Uh, the Atlantic provinces, uh, Prairie provinces, Alberta, of course, is way out in advance. Uh, BC was lagging behind, but they actually opened quite a few stores over the summer. Uh, Quebec has uh, recently began opening stores. They've added about a dozen in the last two months. So Ontario is uh, is a laggard on stores, and uh, now that we don't have a problem with product shortages, uh, the main thing we have a problem with here in Ontario is uh, lack of stores. Once we get more stores, then uh, price and quality will indeed be the uh, the big issues going forward. Well, that's what I wanted to get back to. Uh, w- you know, what is the proof that more stores really is the solution? If you look at uh, sales uh, by province, uh, there's a general tendency. It's not uh, 100% correlation, but general tendency that provinces have more stores per capita 
are seeing more sales per capita. Um, so the Atlantic provinces uh, uh, started out with pretty good star networks very quickly. Um, uh, Prince Edward Island, uh, I mean, it's a very small market, but uh, they probably have already got more than half of cannabis sales in that province going to the legal industry. Um, Alberta uh, is uh, actually probably reaching the point where they have enough stores, at least from the point of view of uh, competing with the black market. They've got about one for every uh, 15,000 people or so. Uh, so they're starting to see, uh, although they've been increasing sales, they've got one of the largest uh, totals by province. Uh, they're starting to see a, a slowdown in that increase. And I think it's because they're starting to get saturated. Um, Whereas the three biggest markets, BC, Ontario, and Quebec, uh, on a per capita basis, were lagging behind the other provinces. Uh, although, as I said, Quebec and BC are, are slowly starting to catch up. So, Chris, I would like to ask you, I mean, the the whole marijuana industry hasn't exactly been going gangbusters lately. It's been problematic. You were hoping to open up right at the beginning of legalization. You've been delayed because of the lottery system. What's the outlook for you? Well, I'd like to see how the licenses are going to be doled out. So I'd like to see if one's being put aside for minorities or people that have been disproportionately affected by the war on cannabis. I'd like to see if one's put aside for activists that helped change the laws in the past for medical patients. And maybe one of those five put aside for someone who actually knows the industry, like perhaps former dispensary owners that can be allowed to integrate into the legal market. I'm just concerned where those five licenses are going to go out to because the optics of having police officers and politicians running the first stores in the province, I don't think anyone who ever has gotten arrested for cannabis wants to go into a store and buy it from the police officer that arrested him five years ago. So I just think they have to think better the people that they put in charge. Uh so would you agree with that? I think, uh, I think Professor Armstrong, that uh, people who've had any kinds of convictions uh, for, for a related offense are going to be kept out. Uh, the provincial regulations uh, draw some distinctions uh, in terms of uh, being eligible. So if you have uh, criminal offenses, then it depends on which category. So as a, if I recall correctly, and I'm not a lawyer, so... Uh, you might want to check with a, a legal expert. Uh, if I recall correctly, simple uh, minor criminal offenses like simple possession would not disallow you from being able to get into the cannabis industry in Ontario. Uh, more serious convictions would. Um, in terms of uh, how the province is likely to prioritize, uh, I understand the, the rationale behind the, the priorities that uh, were just suggested. Personally, I doubt this province will do that. Most other provinces uh, have not. They've largely gone first come, first serve. Um, uh, Alberta, in particular, that's a, uh, they basically first come, first serve. Now, uh, a few provinces have done a little bit of uh, prioritization. Manitoba, uh, for example, specifically wanted uh, to encourage Indigenous uh, groups to get involved. Um, but I... I rather doubt Ontario will go that route, but that remains to be seen. The, uh, from the perspective of competing with the, uh, the black market, uh, the important thing is how many stores, um, and uh, five per week or 20 per month, that's a good starting rate, but I hope the uh, province quickly ramps that up. Uh, I mean, five per week is what Alberta was 
uh, doing way back in the spring, and then they got, they got up to 10 per week uh, by summer. And that's in a province with less than a third of the population. So I'd like to see uh, Ontario uh, doing about 20 a week uh, once they get things rolling. Uh, because we need something like uh, 900 to 1,000 stores in this province to catch up to where Alberta already is. And if they're only doing 20 a month, that's going to take a very long time. Uh, Chris, do you agree with those numbers? Yeah, I certainly think they need to increase the stores, and more likely 20 a week would be a better point, because it will take you three years to get to where we need to be if we do it at the rate of five a week. Okay. Uh, what about the price, Professor Armstrong? I mean, if you can open up all these stores, but if it's still a lot cheaper to buy from the guy that you had mm-hmm. for years, aren't people just going to continue doing that? Yes. Um, and But it's not an issue in Ontario yet. And the reason I say that is uh, we've had a lot of com- people complaining about the price of cannabis uh, in Canada over the first year. Uh, but that wasn't really an issue as long as we had shortages of product because uh, the stores would just sell it before the end of the week, uh, so there's no real reason to drop the price. There were enough people willing to pay a very high premium for the legal product. It didn't matter. Uh, now that the shortages have gone, uh, in provinces other than Ontario, uh, pricing is becoming more important. As we get more store- stores here, as we act- the product actually becomes accessible, uh, pricing will become more important. So right now in Ontario, it's not a big issue because there's enough people for the very small number of stores we have. There's enough people willing to pay, uh, you know, $10 a gram or so. Uh, but absolutely, uh, the future we need to look to is where a lot of products are selling like $5 a gram. Uh, we have just started seeing products uh, 5 $6 a gram on the Ontario Cannabis website. Quebec is ahead of us on this game. They've been pricing low ever since uh, legalization day. Uh, they now have uh, a product for one company that's selling at 4.49 a gram, including taxes. Um, and that's what we need to see in Ontario and every other province. You need at least some products, uh, if you want to call them a discount or value price products, right in the black market price range uh, to draw the most cost-conscious consumers. Chris. Well, I think that, you know, price is only one factor. The the quality, the reviews coming back from the products bought uh, through the Ontario Cannabis Store and across the country from, you know, uh, recreational users has not been good. So the real solution in the wrong run, if you want to compete with the black market, is going to come down to quality and allowing those craft growers that have been growing for the medical market for over a decade to enter the system. Because... They are still growing the world's greatest cannabis, and it's not being allowed into the legal system. We were good enough to grow for medical patients the last 10 years, but for some reason we're not good enough to grow for the recreational market. And people are very well-educated consumers here in Canada, and they can tell what's worth $4 or $5 a gram. You can't just drop the price and expect that they're not going to notice the quality is also much less. So until the government figures to let in those craft growers that have been growing for medical patients into the market, you're never going to be able to compete with the world's highest quality at the same price point. Do you, do you agree, Professor Armstrong, with uh, his take on what's the highest quality? Uh, there's very little data in terms of uh, government reports, but there are lots of anecdotal reports. It's a consistent theme in the news that... Yes, the the legal cannabis is not up to quality quality in the sense of uh, giving the effect, the flavor, the aroma, the high that people are used to from the best black market stuff. 
the legal industry is uh, already on a good start on quality in the sense of safety because their product is tested. What's in the label matches what's uh, inside the package. Uh, but they do need to work on the other half of quality, the performance, the pleasing the customer side, whether that's a large-scale grower or a small-scale grower uh, in the legal industry that needs improvement. And I think that is something the industry uh, should be concentrating on over the next year is getting their best stuff up to the black market standard so that people no longer have an, an excuse uh, to go to their guy if they get something of similar quality uh, almost similar price uh, from the legal industry. You do have to draw the consumers away from the black market. They're not just going to automatically uh, go to your legal stores. Chris, you've spent a lot of money trying to get up and running. Just refresh us on where you're at and what's next for you. Yeah, well, now it's opened up to everyone. I've been waiting two years at my location, you know, ever since Ford said he was going to open up the market. And then, unfortunately, he switched it four days before the applications were to go out. So I've been waiting two years. Uh, I'm looking forward to being able to enter the system. I'm just concerned about how people are going to be selected to enter the system. And even if I'm first in line, will I still be 500th approved? And, uh, well, it, it from what... I've seen about the regulations, it looks like they're going to be first come, first serve, as opposed to the lottery or anything else. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, how, how much have you spent on this, and, and what happens, you, you, you were suing the government, so what happens to your lawsuit? Well, um, maybe I will drop it now that they've opened it up. I guess I'll have to wait to see what the lawyers say, but, uh, you know, I never... The lawsuit was never about money. It was to draw attention to the issue that stores needed to open and people that were educated, prepared with retail locations should be allowed to open their business. And, you know, the best businessman wins, just like anything else. You know, the good will survive, the the bad won't. If you don't know the industry, I don't know how people expect to make money in an industry they know nothing about. They all think it's just open the doors and money comes rolling in, but it's a lot of hard work that people don't really see behind the scenes. Okay, and Michael, where are we at now and when will we start to see these changes kind of uh, coming to fruition? Well, unfortunately, we're not going to see much on the uh, ground for quite some time. The government is going to start accepting applications for the uh, the initial license, uh, the first of the licenses you have to get, you have to get several to get actually a store open. Uh, they're going to start accepting those in January, but the earliest approvals aren't going to follow until at least April. Um, so spring sometime is when we're going to start to see uh, some stores hopefully opening up, um, which unfortunately is just yet another delay. But uh, nonetheless, I guess it's progress. So better late than never. Uh-huh. And... Uh in terms of progress against the illicit market, the black market, organized crime, whatever, what's what's your take on that, Michael? When are we going to see a change, if at all? Uh, well, we will see a change, I think, as soon as we start to see some stores open. Uh, as I mentioned, other provinces are ahead of us on this. Prince Edward Island probably already has uh, most of the black, uh, sorry, most of cannabis purchasing done through the legal industry now. Uh, a lot of other provinces on uh, the Maritime or the uh, Prairies uh, are probably looking around maybe 30, 40 percent uh, of cannabis purchases are going legal. So we have to catch up to that. Um, the I think it's going to be 
fairly quick to get the next uh, chunk of the market. We just need to get some stores open. Uh, we could probably get 50% of the market going to the legal industry fairly quickly. After that, is uh, it's going to be tougher. Then it's going to be more competition based on price and quality. Um, and the industry is going to have to work harder uh, to make those gains. And then once you get down to kind of the last uh, 20, 25%, I think it's be very difficult to get people to switch. They're either very cost con uh, conscientious or else they really have a, a black market product they like. Uh, those are going to be the hardest consumers to switch. Okay, and Chris, we have just 20 seconds. Oh, well, I think that the government really should allow those uh, people that they call the black market to allow to integrate to the legal market, and that'll probably be the best solution to get rid of this black market, is allow them to run a business. Okay, that's all the time we have. Thank you to Michael Armstrong and Chris James. My pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.